Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky, and boy, we have a lot to unpack this week. Let's dive right into it. Uh, Scotty Pippen making some headlines with some comments. Josh Donaldson trying to fight Lucas Giolito in a parking lot. Chris Paul's finally going to the NBA Finals. More devastating injuries in the NBA world. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a wild time to be a sports fan. Let's start with this: the Scottie Pippen comments. Now he Scotty Pippen is promoting a uh, bourbon right now, and he's he's about to release a book in the fall. So he's going on all these shows. He's trying to get his name out there. He's doing a nice job promoting. Well, actually, he's really not doing that great of a job promoting, especially for the bourbon. They're asking him, the first thing he did is he had a GQ article. This is a little off topic here. But they ask him the GQ article. And mind you, he, he's about to come out with his own bourbon. Like, that is what he's trying to sell here. And so they ask him, it's like, what is on the list of Scottie Pippen's favorite drinks? So you would think he would say, bourbon. This is how I like my bourbon, yada, yada, yada. He goes, instead, <laughs> I like mixed drinks. I drink vodka. I like tequila. I'm sort of a guy who fits in wherever. If I'm at a baseball game in the summertime, I'd like to have a cold beer. Like, what are you doing, Scotty? What are you doing? If I was him, I'd be like, hey, Scotty Pippy, six-time NBA world champion. I like bourbon, and this is how I drink it. That's how you sell your bourbon. Now you don't go around promoting all these other liquors. He, 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 he listed literally everything except bourbon in there. Anyway, that's not what the uh, <laughs> headlines are about. Um, the biggest one was they, they discussed the... Tony Kukoc shot in 1994 in the playoff series against the Knicks. Um, Bulls needed to win this game. They're at home. They lose this game. There's a good chance they're getting swept. Um, they'd won 55 games in the regular season. Scottie Pippen was tremendous that year. It was first year without Michael Jordan. Now it was his time to shine. He won. He, he had a chance to be MVP. He was an MVP finalist. He won MVP of the All-Star game. Phenomenal player for the Bulls that year. He was really, it was really his time to shine. Uh, so now they're in a big playoff game. Uh, they're trailing in the game. Not much time left. Bulls have a timeout. They're in the timeout. Phil Jackson draws up a play. He draws it up for Tony Kukoc. Instead of Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen feels like, whoa, hey, this is my team. It's finally my chance. Why are you trying to write up a play for Tony Kukoc, who's literally, this is his first year on the team. Like, I've earned this. I've been through the battles of the Pistons. I've been here since the 80s. I've done all this grunt work for you. Uh, I've been in the shadows so long. This is my team. Why am I not getting the shot? And he quit on the team. He sat out. Didn't want to go in the game. He was supposed to in-ball, inbound the ball. He thought that was a slap in the face. He just quit. Would not come in the game. Ball's inbounded. Tony Kukoc makes the shot, which kind of, like, saved him, if you think about it, because they missed that. That You know, history could be remembered a lot differently. Tony Kukoc... Hit the shot, Bulls win the game, and they were honestly, if it wasn't for this phantom foul call from Hugh Hollins, a horrible call that really it, it butchered it. It cost the Bulls a chance to win the finals because there's a lot of people that think they could have went to the NBA and won the NBA finals if not for that. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, they were asking about this now in this GQ article uh, about that famous play and, like, him sitting out. And, mind you, he, they brought this up in the last dance, too, last summer. So this is kind of like remaking the rounds, you know, rehashing our Bulls history here. Um, and he's like, they asked him, like, would you do it again? He's like, no, I don't regret it. And now it comes up again in this GQ article, and he's like, I think it was racially uh, driven. I think Tony, or Phil Collins, or Phil Collins, I think Phil Jackson, it was trying to uh, uh, prop up Tony Kukoc, and, you know, um, 
I think, uh, yeah, I think he's like, I think it was a racial thing. I think it's because he, he's white, I'm black. So he goes in the Dan Patrick show a couple days later, and Dan Patrick asks him the question. He's like, hey, you know, you, you do realize what this is implying. You're, you're calling Phil Jackson a racist. It's like, yeah, I got no problem with that. And he's basically, he did. He's like, he, and he's like, well, I mean, uh, he, 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 uh, Scotty listed off an example of uh, Kobe Bryant. He's like, well, you know, Phil Jackson's always preaching about the circle. You got to keep your things in the circle. And then he goes off and writes a book about Kobe Bryant. And he's like, you kind of betrayed that trust. And Van Patrick's like, well, you know, that's more of a character thing. That's not really like, that doesn't really make him a racist. He's like, well, that's how you see it. You're in the locker room. Whatever. Um, then he also even went on to say that, like, because th- there's another argument. It's like, well, when Michael Jordan was back on the team, uh, he drew up a play for Steve Kerr. And Scotty Pippen's like, no, nah, no, he didn't. I'm like, well, they have, like, the cameras there. He's like, no, nah, those cameras, those were in for Michael Jordan. He was controlling those cameras. That whole thing was staged. So you can get why this is making some headlines. Because, one, he's calling Phil Jackson a racist, which is a pretty big accusation. Uh, and now he's saying the, the, it was uh, staged with uh, the, the Michael Jordan and the cameras and everything. So it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a lot to unpack here. A lot to unpack. Now, as far as the... As far as the Phil Jackson one goes, I mean, there's been a lot of people that come out and defend him. Like Charles Bark or uh, Shaquille O'Neal came out, and he was one of the first people to say like, "Phil Phil Jackson's not a racist." But you know, there has and listen, I'm not gonna be the one to say he is or he isn't. We weren't there. We don't know. It's Scotty's how he perceived it, and obviously, I'm not. Uh, you know, as a white guy, I'm not gonna come in and like say like, "Hey, he's not," because we weren't there. We don't know, and he's not the Scotty Pippen is not the first one. To have kind of a problem with, the, I mean, LeBron James a couple years ago when Phil Jackson working the Knicks, Phil Jackson they called LeBron and his people like a posse, and LeBron had a problem with that. Um, so I mean, and you also have, if you look at, take a look at some comments here uh, that he's made. It's like, hmm, there's some questionable calls. Here's some quotes. As recent as 2002. Um, 2005, when he was asked about the dress code, he said, I think it's important for our players to take their end of it, get out of prison garb and thuggery aspect of basketball that has come along with hip-hop music in the last seven or eight years. Uh, so there you go. In October 1999, he said, I don't mean to say that is a snide remark towards certain population of our society, but they have a limited uh, of their attention span. A lot of it probably due to too much rap music going in their ears and coming out their being. So, Phil's had some questionable comments in the past. Now, you know, players are defending this is like kind of the first, you know, um, this is kind of being brought back to the forefront besides the dust up with Ron and there's some questionable quotes there. So, that I'm not going to discuss. The, the Michael Jordan thing, though, and all of this in general, it seems like this is the whole thing Overall, is just kind of sad, is my big takeaway. Everyone's like, oh, Scotty Pippen's delusional, this and that. He, and like, uh, he said something about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant clapped back at him. Um, and, you know, my, my takeaway is, like, looking at this, it's like, wow, man. This is a guy that didn't feel like he got enough credit for those Bulls dynasties. And this is his way of, like, pushing back because he watched The Last Dance did not like how he was portrayed. And especially in the generation now that didn't watch those 90s Bulls play and didn't realize what a great player Scottie Pippen was. Everyone, yeah, everyone knows about Michael Jordan. Oh, greatest basketball player of all time. He's as good as LeBron, 6-0 in the finals. Well, Scottie Pippen was 6-0 in the finals too. 
And you can make the case that Michael Jordan does not win without Scottie Pippen. He doesn't. Like, his impact on those teams, I remember after watching The Last Dance, I bought the Sam Smith book, uh, Jordan Rules. And while reading that book, I decided to rewatch the 1991 regular season so I could get some context with the book. So I had, they had, like, YouTube channels watching every game from that year. And it's true. Scottie Pippen, he kind of revolutionized the game. He's one of the first players that could be over, like, 6'6", and carry the ball up the floor like a point guard, defend multiple positions. He could defend the other team's point guard. He could depend on the other team's big, defend another team's big man. He had length, size. He could ball handle. He could shoot. He was the first, like, positionless basketball. One of the first players to do it. Like, you want to know his impact? Mike Greenberg was telling a story on ESPN 1000 uh, the other day, and... He said, the only time I've ever seen Phil Jackson upset is they were in a playoff series. And Mike Greenberg asked him, um, do you think you're asking Scottie Pippen to do too much? He's defending the other team's best player. He's playing 40 minutes a game, and you're asking him to score a lot on offense, could do a lot of contributing. And Phil looked at him, and he was upset, and he's like, well, that's his job. And that was his job. Like every, And he did it every year for 82 games, playing 40 minutes, busting his ass, guarding the other team's best defensive players. Being asked to score and contribute, he had to facilitate. There's times he'd come up and run point. All this dirty work, and Michael got the majority of the credit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a feeling of underappreciation, but, you know, you look at these 90s teams, and all the joy, especially in Chicago, all the joy that they brought people, all the notoriety, what they've done for somebody like B.J. Armstrong. Any other team, do you think B.J. Armstrong's a household name? No, probably not, but because he played with those 90s Bulls in the dynasty, we know who B.J. Armstrong is. Like, everyone that looks back on that thinks of it as a happy time. They were not only in Chicago. They are beloved around the world. You watch the last name. They went to France, and they're being mobbed. Everyone loved those teams. And you look back at it fondly, and it seems that, like, Scottie Pippen, when you hear these comments, what he's saying, that he does not have the same, like, fond memories. Like, there's almost disdain there, which is sad. Because he's one of the best Bulls players of all time. Probably the second best. Behind Mike. He was more than just like a Robin, like a number two. Yeah, he was more like a 1A. And he, you know, this is why he feels underappreciated. And it's sad I don't think we give him enough credit or didn't give him enough credit. And this is the result because now he's, because we he didn't get his, his due over all these years and he felt disrespected, this is what it's come to. He sounds like a nut. He's making his own story of the book. And listen, that book, I'm going to tell like, for the last dance, for the most part, yeah, it was from Michael Jordan's perspective. So it's going to lean towards Michael Jordan. But a lot of that in there was true. I mean, it lined up. Sure, was it leaning towards Michael Jordan? Yeah. It made him look like Superman, but, I mean, it kind of was. Like, well, there wasn't a whole lot in there that was, like, untrue. Scottie Pippen's book, there's going to be a lot of BS in there. Like, most likely. Because this is going to be his revenge thing. Because, like, I felt like I did not uh, get my just due. Not only when I was playing, now this thing comes out and the younger generation seeing this for the first time and what they know about the 90s Bulls and, you know, they're watching this and he, he, he kind of looks selfish in it, he thinks. So he's he's coming back hard with his book and it's going to be, you know, there's gonna be, that's going to be another firestorm. So brace yourself for when that comes out. But the whole thing is just, it's just disappointing because that should have been a great time for him. He should be looking back. He said he doesn't even talk to Michael anymore. It's like, wow. Wow. Well, what are you going to do? And now, as far as, as far as the timeout play goes, 
you cannot blame. I mean, that I don't think was a, a racial move, as he says. Whether Phil Jackson's a racist or not, which I don't think he is, but like I'm not gonna come out and say one way or the other because he does. Like I said, we read the comments earlier. There's some special stuff, so maybe Pippen has a point there. But as far as that particular play goes, Tony Kukoc is a much better shooter. Like Scottie Pippen in the fourth quarter, when he was kind of the guy with the Portland Trailblazers when he left Chicago, he was playing the Lakers in a series uh, against Phil Jackson, coincidentally, uh, in 2000. Um, it was a great series. Went to seven games. In the fourth quarter of game seven, he didn't make a basket. So, you know, he's never known as, like, a renowned closer. Tony Kukoc is a much better shooter, too. So, like, the play made sense. Plus, you, you take you, everyone basically expecting it to go to uh, Pippen. And inbounding, it's an important play. Like, you got to have a good pass, though. So I mean, I can see why they would do it. And he, he quit on – that's not that's not excusable for him because he did the one thing you teach your kids not to do in sports is quit. So that was a bad look. But, like, you know, there's other stuff he could have done to, like, overcome it. You know, he could have apologized for it at this point, and he's, like, still, no regret. Because he felt he was wrong, and I think a lot of it, it all stems because he did not get his just due, and this is what it's come to, when you don't give people enough credit. Because he did a lot of the grunt work for the, let, let's be honest here. In those 90s, he was doing a lot of the, the, the grunt work. So yeah, he was underappreciated, but... Yeah, so, because not only is he a top 50 player of all time, I think he, he's more than that. I, he's... He is one of the best players of all time. And people don't remember him like that. And now he's going to remember. And now by doing this, all of this, by saying all this crazy stuff, it's not going to help his legacy either. It's going to tarnish it worse. Because as it gets older and older, and like the generation get younger and younger that didn't watch them, because there's going to be more and more people coming up that never watched them play, and all they're going to know Cody Pippen for is the old kook that doesn't know how to promote his Bermud, by saying he likes vodka and other mixed beers, and is spouting all this crazy stuff about one of the greatest players of all the greatest players of all time and some of the greatest teams of all time, because they're gonna be like, why? Well, I mean, look at you. Everyone else has fond memories of this. Look what it did for so many people, and you just sound some like some angry old curmudgeon, and it's gonna tarnish his legacy even worse. They're just gonna be like, oh, look at this kook. Not, oh yeah, that's he was one of the best players that ever played the game and uh, helped the Bulls win six championships. No, it's not gonna be like that. He's gonna do. He's gonna do more damage than he is good. It's kind of equivalent to like Isaiah Thomas, who's also very underappreciated. But a lot of that came from. You look at what he did after his playing days. You know, he had the comments in the Last Dance that made him kind of look smug about not shaking hands. He was a failed owner. There's a sexual assault allegations. Like his post career, you know, hasn't gone great. And you look at a lot of stuff that's happened with him. And that's how people remember him, and that's kind of like what's coming to the forefront. And so you forget how good of a player he was. And Scottie Pippen, who's already underappreciated as it is, it's going to be even more so because no one's going to be talking about that. They're going to be talking about all these crazy comments and saying dumb stuff because he felt he didn't get his just due. This is what happens. Should have given him credit earlier. This is the monster we have created. Anyway, if you had more crazy comments, <laughs> the MLB substance, the foreign substance, sticky stuff story will not go away. It is a major topic around baseball. And we finally had the first uh, player to get popped for it. Um, it's funny, guaranteed rate field, man. It seems to be the nexus of the sticky stuff universe. It all started a game against St. Louis, uh, I believe it was May 26th. And Joe West caught a reliever coming in for the Cardinals. He had something on his hat, which a lot of pitchers do. 
Craig Kimbrell you see all the time. He's got the dark spot on his hat. Lucas Giolito always has a dark spot on his hat. There's a lot of pitchers that do it. Dark spot on his hat. Joe West comes up, and he's like, he, tar he picks his kid out, and he's like, hey, you got to change hats. And then Mike Schultz was furious. He comes out, he gets argued, he gets ejected. And after the game, he goes off saying like, oh, the guy has some sunscreen on, and you're just going to randomly pick him out when everyone's doing this. It's not right. So then the MLB, soon after, all of a sudden, they start enforcing these new rules saying like, hey, we're, we're, we're making a rule midseason. We're not going to test it in the minor leagues. We're, no, 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 no. We're not going to test it. See a focus group, see how this thing will work. We're just going to implement it midseason. You're going to have to go cold turkey. In two weeks, we're going to start doing random checks. So pitchers all of a sudden are starting to have to adjust. Tyler Glass now, one of those pitchers. He's pitching against the White Sox a couple weeks later. He's throwing pretty good. After four innings, he leaves with an elbow soreness. And after the game, he blames it on, hey, I'm used to having sticky stuff. For a grip on my fastball. I just use it for grip. Now all of a sudden, I'm having to hold my fastball tighter in my hand, closer to my hand. It's putting more strain on my arm. Because I've had to do this cold turkey, haven't had time to adjust. And this is what caused my injury. He came flat out and said it. It's like I had a start against the Nationals a week before. I woke up the next morning, and I had soreness in place. I didn't even know I could be sore. Then I come out in this start against the White Sox. It happens again. I've never had this problem. Now my season's ruined. I have to go do work on rehab. He is pissed. So this is huge. Then this like pitchers around the league. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now Miguel Gonzalez is the next one to come in. And uh, he's pitching against the White Sox Seattle, uh, for the Seattle Mariners. He's walking off the mountain, and he's joking with the – this is what was funny about it. He was joking with the umpires. You can see him, like, laughing. I was at, at that game. And all of a sudden, they're searching his glove, and it's taking, like, longer and longer. And, like, all of a sudden, the smile wears away from his face. And they're, like, calling more umpires over. And you're like, uh-oh. And they found something in his glove he didn't like. And Miguel Gonzalez claimed, hey, listen, man, I, I don't – I'm not cheating. Uh – it's, I got this, or heck, not Miguel Gonzalez, I'm sorry, Hector Santiago, Hector, Hector Santiago, Miguel Gonzalez, another former pitcher for the White Sox, Hector Santiago for the Mariners. He's like, oh, I got rosin on my, I had rosin on my arm. I was sweating and went down my arm into the, into the, the or not, yeah, rosin on my arm, sweating, went down into my glove, that's what the sticky stuff was. But once you get ejected, the MLB's rule is, you know, there's no reversing. You're spending 10 games. So he's spending 10 games, and the Mariners cannot call someone up to replace him. His spots. They're shorthanded for 10 games. So it's a, it's a, the suspensions are a big deal. So he's the first one there. So you can see the flaws in, like, in it already. And there's been a lot of pitchers complaining. But Josh Donaldson, he's on the flip side. He's been one of the outspoken people for the hitters. Because there's not many people speaking up for the hitters. And he's like, yeah, this is a great role. I know a ton of pitchers that are cheating. I have a whole list, he said. He's saying all this stuff. He called Garrett Cole a cheater. So then they're playing the White Sox once again. Nexus of the Sticky Stuff universe. Tuesday night, he hits a home run off of Lucas Giolito. Lucas Giolito is a pretty good pitcher, so he obviously fired up. Playing the division rival, he comes home, and he starts yelling, no more sticky stuff, no more sticky stuff, implying that Lucas Giolito was cheating. And now that he can't cheat, all of a sudden he's a lot easier to hit. So you can see where that would be kind of offensive and kind of obnoxious sounding, if we're being quite honest. You're poking a bear here. So after the game, Giolito, to his credit, he clapped back at him. <laughs> he's like, he, he said, quote here, uh, he, he's a fucking pest. Um, you know, if you want to talk shit, talk shit to my face, basically. So Josh Johnson <laughs> took that to heart. He goes out and meets him in the parking lot. He met him in the parking lot. Talk about making 
big scene out. So he goes, he's like, oh, you're a tough guy in front of the screen, huh? Like, I'm here. What do you want to say to my face? And apparently nothing came of it. Well, the next day, Josh Donaldson, he gets in front of the Zoom, and he starts going off. He repeats the story about how he confronted Giolito in the parking lot. He says, yeah, not only do I think he's cheating, I know he's cheating. Look at his spin rates that have dropped. He's definitely cheating. Comes out, calls him a cheater. Then he goes after Ozzy Guillen, who Ozzy Guillen said if he was Giolito, the next time he faced him, he'd hit him in the ribs. And he calls out Ozzy Guillen. He's like, bro, you were under a 700 OPS hitter in your career. You said you like Fidel Castro. Why are we taking advice from you? What does it come to here? So he is just going full-blown scorched earth. He is going off on the White Sox, which, you know, sounds all fine and well. And he's like, hey, I'm trying to play the game fair. If you guys want to defend cheaters, that's your problem. Well, we don't know. Well, was Giolito probably cheating? Maybe there's evidence there, but like you don't know that. And number two... I know damn well. This is the thing that everyone's talking about. You know damn well that in his own locker room, there was definitely some pitchers using the stuff. You're telling me everyone in the Twins was playing it clean. No. So there's probably a lot of his teammates that are like, bro, what are you doing? Shut up, you jackass. Like, you're calling out us here, too. It is illegal. Everyone in the league was doing it. Like, it wasn't like cheating, just no one enforced it. Is it cheating if no one's enforcing it? It wasn't like, it was like an unwritten law. Like, everyone was doing it for, like, rip. Like, a lot of the league. And I know some of his players were there, too. So he's going on a pretty hard stance. It's not like Lucas Giolito's, like, out there taking steroids or whatever. He was doing something that everyone else in the league was doing to give him a competitive advantage. So you want to call it cheating, be my guest. But come out and say that. And you, you show him up on the mound. And then you're going to start talking and calling him out again the next day. Blatantly call him a cheater with no proof. Just the fact that his spin rate's down a little bit. Is your, your evidence, I guess. You were pouring gas on a fire. For a team that is in last place, I think Josh Donaldson, hey, hey, that's one guy that just doesn't, he cannot read the room. Because he thinks he's doing a good thing, he's really loud and everything, but one, doesn't look great with your teammates, who, by the way, after he said these comments, it really poked the bear. Like, the White Sox, they took exception to it. Like, that's about a grand all came out the next day. It was like, oh, yeah, we know it is. And then the start of the next day, Dylan Cease was like, yeah, it fueled us. And so you know what happens the next day? They got their ass kicked. They lost 13-3 as Monty Grandal hit two home runs. They hit The White Sox hit six total. Kid Gavin Sheets hit first, his first career home run. Jose Abreu breaks out of a slump. He hits a home run. Brian Goodwin, who should be in AAA right now, he hit a home run. They're all launching bombs out of the ballpark. And Josh Donaldson, he came up to a course of boost. He hits a home run in the first inning, too, to lead it off. So he had the first laugh. The White Sox kind of had the last laugh. He struck out his next two at-bats. From Dylan Cease, who wasn't using sticky stuff. And then he gets pulled midway through the game. They lose 13-3. And all these White Sox now, it's like, yep. Josh Donaldson never gave us some extra motivation here today. So not only your, and his teammates, too, since he's made that sticky stuff comment, his pitchers have given up uh, 20 runs in 18 innings. In the two games after he said that. So, uh, yeah, good, great going there, Josh. Great going yeah i get what he's trying to I, listen i can understand what he's doing but this is a guy who doesn't know how to read the room you can feel that way and you can say it in like a certain way but like, come out and you know he's making some pretty bold accusations there he gave the white Sox a lot of bulletin board material a lot so yeah you reap what you sow but that right there is a guy that like you get you're getting paid all this money to come help the minnesota twins they've gotten worse since you've come here and you're hurt a lot. You're hardly healthy. So you got a pretty big, you got to come out here and be like acting, uh, acting like, like you're Mike Trout out here or something. 
And quite frankly, if I was a sock, I mean, they shouldn't have, but, like, he kind of deserved to get plunked in the ribs. Hell, your petty team hit a rookie for hitting a home run off of a, a position player who was throwing beach balls up there, and your team took exception to that. Now you're going to come out and call one of our guys a cheater, and you don't think the Sox are going to take exception to that? So, yeah, man. Read what you saw. I didn't like it. I did not like the whole thing one bit. I think that's a guy. Well, he made some good points. And listen, he made some decent points about, like, the things. Like, yeah, you know, pitchers, they got to adjust to it now. They're, like, cheating. But, like, they have been adjusting. Like, he's, not, he's not using it. But before he was, like, it's not like, you know, he was doing something that everyone else in the league was doing. So I, I wouldn't necessarily call it, like, cheating. But, yeah, eh, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> let's go to this. Now... I want to give some props to Chris Paul. Of course I want to give props to Chris Paul. Why do I not give props to Chris Paul? I heard a, a blast of a, you know, one of our, our, our co-hosts here, uh, and, you know, you can probably guess who it was. Uh, he, he he put this something in our chat. It says, meet the hypotheticals man. Living off mediocre stat lines, overstated impact, and elite PR. Being hailed as a serial winner despite of never making it to the finals. Being aggressive in close games. Waiting until the game is out of reach. Check. Being dirty as hell and always getting away with it. Check. And then it's a photo of Chris Paul. Like, that might be the dumbest, one of the dumbest things I've ever, and you're talking about, we're talking about underappreciated people, like the Scottie Pippen earlier. Here's a guy, Chris Paul, who you could argue, not only... He underappreciate. You look at what he has done throughout his career, and I've gone over it before. Before, but like, let's let's let's, let's break it down. Let's break it down first. Living off mediocre stat lines, overstated impact, and elite PR. He goes to the Clippers, that Lob City Clippers team. Who got all the credit there? Blake Griffin. Despite the fact Blake Griffin wasn't really shooting. Blake Griffin hasn't won anything since then, or since he's left. Before then, or after. Chris Paul came and he elevated his game. When Chris Paul got to the Clippers, because before Chris Paul got to the Clippers, that was a mediocre franchise. Horrible owner, who was a racist, Donald Sterling, was cheap as hell too. The worst owner in the NBA. Chris Paul gets there, they win 55 games or more. All five years he's there. But Chris, Blake Griffin got all the credit because he's dunking over cars and it was flashy. And then uh, DeAndre Jordan, who was always barking at Chris Paul, Made a living off of Chris Paul lobs. Chris Paul was a straw that stirred that drink. Working with all that dysfunction. So let's not go overstated impact. The impact was there. It was pretty obvious who was running that team. But Chris Paul never got the credit there. And he was always blamed for their playoff losses. Despite their shortcomings there. This co-star couldn't shoot. And DeAndre Aiden... He's not that good of a player. Made a living off of lobs, which Chris Paul is the best player in the NBA at throwing lobs. But Chris Paul, no, no credit there. Always got blamed. But he elevated that team. Because he's left, and what have the Clippers been? Since. I mean, this is the closest they've gotten to winning anything. And Chris Paul then, he goes uh, to the Rockets. James Harden gets all the credit. James Harden's the number one there. James Harden blames Chris Paul. He shipped him out the next year. But Chris Paul had the Clippers... Or the, the, uh, the Rockets, one went away from the NBA Finals. He goes down. Well, they're up 3-1. to one. He goes down in that series with an injury. 
and all of a sudden, the Rockets implode. James Harden's not that good in the playoffs. But Chris Paul, his impact, they were up 3-1. to one. He's gone. All of a sudden, they blow that series lead. That's not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. So then they ship him out of town to a horrible Thunder team. He's relegated to a team that's in a rebuild. Clearly trying to rebuild. They just got rid of Russell Westbrook. They just got rid of Paul George. They're not trying to win. Chris Paul there is there, and they, they were trying to trade him too. But Chris Paul spends the full season there. He gets this team to the playoffs. Whose second best player is Lou Dort. Who most of you casual NBA fans don't know who Lou Dort is, and nor should you. Not only does he get him to the playoffs, he faces that Rockets team, the same Rockets team that went to the conference finals, plus Russell Westbrook now this year who replaces him. He takes him to a game seven, and they were damn close to winning that thing. Really close. Like, it came down to the final couple possessions. But overstated impact. Chris Paul leaves that team. Basically the same roster the next year. Yeah, they're, they're in a lottery pick right now. Not, they didn't make the playoffs. But it's overstated impact. So then he's going to go to the Suns team now. A Suns team that was also a lottery team last year. And Marshall's going to come out and say, he goes, Oh, well, Devin Booker, you're going to say he hasn't won anything. But they were 8-0 in the bubble. Well, teams go on winning streaks. You can go on an 8-0 winning streak. That's not unheard of. In the regular season, that's not considered a winning something. Like the Oakland A's went on a 20-game winning streak. We say they won something? No, we don't. That doesn't count as a championship. That's not winning something. You cannot say he's accomplished something in the NBA because of an eight-game win streak in a wonky season in the bubble where weird stuff happens. So I'm not gonna give him, we're not saying Devin Booker was a winner before that. Devin Booker is an excellent player. DeAndre Aiden was an excellent player. They had a lot of talented pieces there. Devin Booker is probably the most talented player on that team. But he's been the most talented player on that team for a while now. And they haven't even made the playoffs. Well, Chris Paul comes. All of a sudden, they are a one seed, or two seed, excuse me. They knock off the Lakers, the former NBA championship, in the, in the playoffs. Which there was night and day when the two games they won was because either Chris Paul didn't play or Chris Paul was not 100%. Chris Paul finally comes back to 100% and they beat the Lakers. They get to the conference finals again. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you can check that for the, not being a serial winner because everywhere he goes, he's making an impact. Let's not go overstated impact. His impact is not overstated. The all three stops, the last three stops he's made, significant impact. Four stop. Clippers, impact. 55 wins, five straight years. Rockets, impact. Gets into the conference finals. Up three to one, he goes down. All of a sudden, they can't win a game. Impact. Thunder. Team of scrubs. Takes them to the playoffs. Nearly upsets the Rockets. Impact. Comes to a franchise that doesn't want anything, hasn't been relevant in the past decade, gets him to the NBA Finals. So now you can't say he's never made it to the Finals because he has. So the serial winner thing, uh, you, you can check that off. Waiting until the game's out of reach. Now, this is another big bullcrap one. You know, yesterday in Game 6, it's an important game. You lose that game, you're going to Game 7, anything can happen, and you're in the, the verge of blowing another 3-1 lead. Chris Paul dropped 41 points. So let's not say, oh, wait till the game's out of reach. He put away the Clippers in game six. Make no doubt about it. He had a phenomenal game. So don't give me that crap, too. So that, that one's another, another myth. And then being dirty as hell and always getting away with it. Yeah, does he flop? Yes. Does he talk a lot of trash? Yes. Lots of players talk trash, though, to get under skin. Michael Jordan, greatest player of all time. Great trash talker. We don't call him dirty as hell. Does Chris Paul flop? Yeah, he does. He's trying to win. He's ultra competitive, though. That's what I call it. Soccer, most popular game in the world. They all flop. You tell me Ronaldo's ever flopped? He's rolling around on the ground like some French woman out there. Tell me he doesn't flop. We don't knock him for it. 
Soccer's the most popular game in the world. We don't knock those ath athletes for flopping. Looks like someone gets shot in one of those games almost every day. But with the heart of the game, we were watching. I was watching the Ukraine the other day play Sweden. Yeah, the guy grabbed his other, the other player's arm and like swatted it towards his face, and then all of a sudden he goes collapsing to the ground. It's a clear flop. Everyone flops, and that's the most popular game in the world. We don't hold that against soccer players. Why are we holding it against Chris Paul? He's trying to get a competitive advantage. Is it annoying? Sure. If I'm a fan of the opposing team, do I like it? Absolutely not. But always getting away. I mean, come on. Being competitive out there. He's trying to find a competitive edge. So, you know, I'm not going to hold that against him either. That is a dumb take. It's a horrible take. They're in the finals now. What are you going to say about that? When they win the finals, you could argue he's the top five point guard of all time. Like, Chris Paul slander is ridiculous. I don't know how you can slander this man. This thing, is he's getting too much credit. It's like Scotty Pitt. He's not getting enough credit. You want Chris Paul to come out with a, a, a book later, a tell-all? Start spitting a bunch of nonsense? You keep saying he's an understated impact because it's not. Then you ask anyone on the team. DeAndre Aiden was to be the first to say he elevated DeAndre Aiden's game. DeAndre Aiden had a press conference. He said he is one of the, the, the best teammates I've ever had. So, I mean, you know. Overstated impact, though. Ridiculous. Good for Chris Paul. Finally, everything's aligned for him. And I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for it. I am very happy for him. Um, yeah, so good for him. Bucks, uh, <laughs> Bucks uh, Hawks been a wild series right now. Uh, if we look at the injuries, how that's affected uh, both these teams. It just keeps. It's, it's a shame with Giannis too, because I really want him to make the finals. Giannis Antetokounmpo is a guy that he, he plays hard every night. Um, you know, it's, uh, Ooh, we just got new news here. Sorry. We got something from the Donaldson situation that just popped up. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's one of those guys when he plays bad, he almost like turns it up a notch because you see a lot of players that like quit. We just, you miss a couple shots, you get disengaged. Giannis will start trying harder and pressing more. He's great. He's like a Russell. That's why I like Russell. Like, that's why I can appreciate Russell Westbrook because he gives it his all every night, and that's what Giannis does. And that's a shame what happened to him going down because this is a Bucks team I think that was destined to go to the finals. Uh, and I think Bucks uh, Suns, when both teams are fully healthy, would be an excellent series. Hell, even the, this Hawks series I think has been good, and now I think we're kind of getting robbed of it with one of the best players. That's just an unfortunate thing. Without Giannis, though, this Bucks team still has a chance. Drew Holiday's a good player, and Middleton he kind of picks and chooses his spots, but I think that's tough. All of a sudden, they don't match up. The Hawks match up a lot better with them. Now that you don't have to defend Giannis in the paint, who has been virtually unstoppable. This Hawks team, you give them a little life, and that's what the, the 76ers did. They gave them hope. They gave them life. Kept them hanging around too long, kind of played with their food a little bit, and uh, it came back to bite them. And I, now I'm worried with that, with the, the Bucks. Is This Hawks team, you're giving them some life. You're giving them hope, and that's it. Hope is a dangerous thing. And I think the Hawks might, they might pull off another one. They might pull off another upset, even without Trey Young. Because Trey Young is great as he is, and he has been great. He's a bona fide superstar. He deserves a ton of credit for this Hawks team is. Uh, Giannis is more valuable to his team than Trey Young is to his. We'll put it that way. So with both players out, that's a bigger loss. And I actually think Trey Young's going to be back, which is even worse news for the Bucks. if you're a Bucks fan. So um, we'll see. 
We'll see. Okay. Uh, ooh. <laughs> so here's this. Now we got uh, Liam Hendricks, another outspoken character. He's chiming in on the Josh Donaldson incident, which you're talking about. This is breaking news in the podcast. You're finding out live with me right now. Uh, the two played together with the, the uh, Blue Jays in 2015. Uh, that was the year he won the MVP. Um, but uh, here's what the closer said about Josh Donaldson. Uh, playing with Donaldson, I'm not a Donaldson fan. On the field, one of the greatest. You want him on the team behind you. But I saw but I saw behind the curtains too much, and I am not a fan. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, you know, um... There's a profile in 2017, too, that says he turned many teammates into enemies. And this is what I'm talking about with the, the substance thing. You think those pitchers in the locker room aren't hearing this? Like, where he's coming out so hard out poking, be like, dude, pump the brakes. Liam Hendricks just, he's just, uh, he just confirmed it. He just confirmed it. Um, wow. Hmm. He's also calling cap on him going out to the parking lot. Uh, wow, he goes, okay. And then I also don't like the point of, okay, why did you go out to the media to Geo? And the next day he's calling him out saying, I said it to your face. No, you didn't. We have witnesses. Whoa, whoa. The beef is real between these two. Boy, that series in Minnesota in a week. That could get ugly. It's a damn shame G Lude is not pitching that series because that could get ugly. Woo-hoo-hoo! This thing just keeps heating up. Yeah, I like a little good baseball beef. You know, baseball's a long season. You gotta mix things up, make it interesting. Uh, and now we got some we got some we got some spice in this series. It's getting spicy. I like it. Uh, let's wrap things up really quick. Uh, instead of the minor sports minute for Patrick, it's not even a minor sport. This is a major sport. We're gonna talk a little hockey here. Canadians, Lightning, and the Stanley Cup final. The Islanders had a phenomenal series with the Lightning, lost one-nothing on a shorthanded goal in game seven. That's a tough way to go down. Uh, the Canadians, they're kind of Cinderella team. They come back 3-1 in their first round series against the Maple Leafs. They're riding that momentum all the way to the Stanley Cup. Carey Price has been phenomenal. Carey Price is one of those goaltenders that he's good, and you always know he's good, and then he's kind of on a bunch of mediocre teams, and you forget about him. Because he was an MVP one year. Uh, you just forget about him. But the Canadians feel like that they have the best goalie in every series. And in this series against the Lightning, against Andre Vasilevsky, uh, Vasilevsky's been phenomenal. And I think they're starting to get the sense, like, uh-oh, maybe we don't have the best goalie in this series. Because the first ga game, they gave up five goals. And the second game, uh, they gave up three. And in both of those, the uh, Lightning only gave up. Vasilevsky only gave up one. Vasilevsky was phenomenal, too, in game two. He had 42 saves, I believe. So now, all of a sudden, you're giving... Um, he, he, he's out dueling Carey Price, who is the strong suit of the Canadians, and uh, all of a sudden you're getting the feeling, like, oh no, maybe we don't have the best goalie in this series. I think this could be over really quick. This could be over quick. The last time a team's come back from down from 2-0 to go and win the entire series was the 2011 Boston Bruins against the Vancouver Canucks, but it does not happen often, and I think this Lightning has just way too much firepower. I think they're winning this one. Uh, that is my prediction. There you have it. But watch these games. They're getting pretty, they're, they're intense, man. There's nothing like playoff hockey. I do enjoy it. It was a shame I didn't follow much more of it during this season. But, um, yeah, this is a, it's been a good time. It's been a good time watching it. I, I suggest you watch it. But light, Lightning, I went in this one. I got Lightning in five in that series. Um, so we will see what happens. That is all we have for you. 
Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week.